even to this day, it still blows my mind what some kids have, have gone through and at such a young age and to have to carry that with them. So for the kids, you know, that in foster care and stuff, just to love them unconditionally and show compassion and that they're worth it to me says a lot because there's a lot of us that if we went through the same thing, I don't know if we would come out as good as some of those kids. Welcome everyone to Bringing Kids Home, a TBHC foster care and adoption production. I'm Kristen, TBHC's HR manager. We are excited you are joining us today to hear stories of adoption and how any one of us, including you, can make a difference in a child's life. Today's podcast is sponsored by our very own Fostering Success Conference. This conference is for current foster and adoptive parents or those considering fostering or adoption. Find out more at www.tbhc.org slash fostering success conference. We are excited about our first ever conference that will allow parents time to worship, refresh, learn, and fellowship. Now stick around and hear how stories of faith and family help bring kids home. Hi everyone, I'm Jason. Our guest today is Tiffany Hood. Tiffany is an Ellis County local and has lived in Red Oak for the last decade. Her family growing up first came to the home, TBHC, when she was six months old, and she spent her early years here. She has been married to her husband, Andy, for 25 years, and together they have three boys, Andrew, Tice, and Case. Tiffany is passionate about her job at First Red Oak. She says a, a lot has changed since her time here at TBHC, and we look forward to hearing her story and taking a closer look at how TBHC has developed along the way. Tiffany, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Jason, for having me. I am super excited to get to hear from you. You and I have talked about doing this for about a year, I think. Yes. And uh, my favorite moment was the other day when you said, you pulled out grace. Well played. Well played. Yes, that was well played. Yes. If anybody was going to get me on this, it was grace. Yeah. Well, I yeah. appreciate you doing yeah. that. Let me uh, start off by asking you to share how you came to know the Lord. Okay. Well, um, I went to Jacksonville Baptist College. Uh, went there for, for one year. I was kind of your, to me, there's two typical preacher's kids, one that is straight and narrow, um, and maybe one that's not so much. And I was probably leaning on the not so much, kind of, kind of ran from it a little bit. And, uh, uh, but God knew what I needed and sent me to JBC and, and uh, had a uh, great roommate and some other friends that were uh, godly girls that just poured into me that year and talked to me and didn't take much time to realize I, I didn't have a relationship. And so uh, that summer after my first year of college uh, came home and Farley Street Baptist Church was having a, a revival. Um, and uh, I just remember that night, you know, surrendering my, my life to Christ and, and uh, it all changed. So uh, it, it was a pretty, pretty dramatic change for me. Uh, and so then uh, headed back uh, to school that next semester. 
back to JVC. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we share that. I mean, I went there for a brief season. You did share something about your husband. I thought would be kind of a smile to put on people's faces. You know, did y'all interact much before? So we knew each other that first year. He was uh, he was in the quartet there at JVC uh, the the first year, and I played volleyball. And so uh, I was uh, into other things that first year. And so he he did not have very much to do with me that first year. Um, we knew each other, but neither one of us uh, cared. I thought he was probably a little bit too uptight for me. And, and uh, he was in the quartet for one and I was not musical at all. So I was more sports minded. And, uh, but anyway, uh, after that, uh, that summer, he, uh, I actually went to Amy Duckett's birthday party with a bunch of friends from, from college. And he was uh, kind of in her friend group. And that's when he was like, hey, something's, something's different about her. And uh, that's when Amy let him know that, that I had uh, um, that been saved over the summer. And so at that point, he was able, I guess, uh, to start talking with me. So we, we started dating at that point. I, yeah. I guess I was worthy, uh, uh, at uh -huh. that time. So, yeah. No, I, I love how you said though, that there was something different about you and it was, it was obvious to yeah. even, even people on the outskirts of relationship with you. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. I know that, um, testimonies are, always inspiring. And I really appreciate that. Sure. Um, a little bit about why we're talking to you today is you lived on campus. And it's uh, if, if anyone listening is assuming a lot, there would be like, we had kids who were orphans that lived on campus. We had kids who were in foster care that lived on campus during the years you were here. You were not either one of those. You, uh, you had biological parents that you lived with. Eventually, your dad became mm -hmm. the president of TVHC. So I wanted to have you on today to kind of give us a little history, a little bit about, about you, about your family, and also just your experiences of being here. So um, really appreciate it. Uh, tell us your bringing kids home story. Okay. Well, uh, from what I understand, I was six months old when my parents uh, decided to move to the Baptist home to become house parents. Um at the boys cottage. So I believe there was eight boys um, in that cottage. I remember it just a little bit. I remember um, uh, the boys pushed me around in a stroller down the hallways, the long hallways. Um, but I'm trying to think it wasn't long. It was three, three or four years. I hadn't started school yet. Um, that my dad actually decided he took a, a pastoring job in DeSoto for about a year. So I, I was off the campus for about a year and then we moved, we moved back. Um, and at that time he went into the administrative part of the Baptist home. And we actually lived in a house uh, that is where the Salvation Army building is now. There was a little house right there uh, and we lived there for a little bit, uh, still close enough. We were at the home all the time. Uh, that's when my dad went back uh, to UTA uh, and got his master's. Uh, 
degree. And Ted Stanley at the time, he was he was the president then. Wow, that's really cool. Uh, do you remember anything uh, specific about Ted Stanley? Just kind of stands out at you. I do. The one one of the memories I have, I remember going. He was always had his door open. Uh, my dad's office was uh, fairly close to his, but I w- I just wandered around the. I mean, the office was was my home. I didn't think anything about it. I knew everybody. They knew me. Um, but I would go and play in the gym quite a bit. Uh, as a kid, and I remember him coming in there, and he would shoot baskets with me, um, and show me how to shoot, and tell me, try to, you know, get me tips and stuff, but uh, that's probably the, the the fondest memory I have of him, is coming in there, and just, just me and him, he'd just come in there and hang out with, couldn't have been very old, six maybe, and yeah. and just shoot baskets with me, yeah. Really speaks to his character, uh, Right. Yeah. Sweet man. Everything I hear and read about him, uh, just that what you just said reflects a lot of that. Yeah, he was a good guy. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, you kind of had this uh, facility as your playground is how I'm hearing yes. it. Um, what's one of the things that as you grew up, you saw, I, I guess, gradually change. We'll, we'll get to what's changed now big time. But what, what's kind of the things you got to see change over time? Uh, well, over time, I mean, when we first came, um, there was the boys cottage and the girls cottage. And then over time, uh, I believe there was a single mother's cottage where, you know, single moms that would come in and stay. Uh, but even the buildings, um, I remember the old two-story building. I don't remember what it was called, uh, but it was like, I remember thinking haunted house type thing. It's super, super old. Um, and then I remember them tearing that down. And now I believe it's the King Center is, is what took, took its place. Uh, I even remember the old uh, nursery building, which would have been across the street. Um, yeah. and, and that was that was old too, but I just remember going through those places and just seeing all the stuff, the old history and, and uh, it was kind of creepy, but cool at, at the same time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, just the big field, the new cottages, I believe it was Stanley wasn't there when I first was there, the Stanley cottage, I believe. Um, and of course, there are several new buildings there now. Uh, but even the uh, bell tower, I remember when that was built and, and the yeah. playground and stuff. So, yeah. That's really neat. So y'all coming back and your dad working here. Um, one of the things that we were talking about uh, first right up coming and doing some projects on the campus. You and I just talked and you were very familiar still with, oh, yeah, this used to be over there. Or you this used to be here. You know, I guess one of the things that I want to always appreciate is that this yes. place means something to someone in their own way, something special to, to them. How would you describe what you feel about this place? Well, I mean, it was, it was my whole childhood. I mean, even, uh, like I said, lived on campus, then we lived in a house right off of campus and then when we moved from there we moved like two streets over into the the neighborhood behind 
And, you know, I would wake up in the morning if it wasn't during the school year uh, and I'd ride my bike over to the home and I'd be there all day. Uh, my mom worked at the home off and on through those years as well. So, uh, but I mean, I would play with the kids. They were, it was family. I mean, uh, my parents didn't put any restrictions as far as uh, who I could play with and who I couldn't. I mean, uh, that's one thing as far as my dad, he just, he looked at them all the same. There was no, uh, you know, watch out or, you know, they've had different things going on. It, he didn't look at anybody differently. And so, um, so I just, I grew up with the freedom just to come and go, even, even during the school year. I a lot of times would ride my bike in the morning and I would ride the van with the kids at the home. Uh, and then they would bring me home in the afternoon. Uh, I can remember in high school, once I finally started driving and stuff, people saying, I thought you lived at the home. And I, I was like, I, I did kind of, yeah. but not, I have parents. They didn't realize I had parents. And uh, so, I mean, it was, yeah. It was very much, I don't even know if I would say a second home. It was home. I mean, uh, so it was, yeah. it was a different childhood than most, but I didn't know any better. So yeah. but I loved it. Oh yeah. I oh. loved it. So uh, how about relationships? Um, you know, did you build relationships with, we're calling them kids, but they would have been your peers um, at the time. Um, did you build relationships with any of those kids at that time? And uh, Oh, I, yeah, there's there's several I think about from time to time of, of, you know, possibly where they're at now. The thing is, a lot of times you build relationships and as they moved off, you didn't usually get to keep relationships like you you might, you know, in a normal setting. Uh, but yeah, there's it's still this day, there's a group of kids, probably junior high, uh, later elementary, junior high area that would have been really close friends and we because back then they stayed, uh, yep. they were there a, a good while. Um, and then I even, uh, we even had a, a guy from Honduras come uh, over, uh, my dad knew a missionary and he had leg issues and, and uh, his name was Lionel. Uh, and I still remember he didn't know, he was such a sweet guy and didn't know any English and uh, anyway, but he moved into the boys' cottage, and um, I st there's still several people uh, that I know, even through my brother, that he still keeps in contact that that lived at the home uh, and lived with us at, at later on in life as well for a few months, year or so. Uh, so yeah, there's there's lots of fond memories yeah. from growing up there, and a lot there was a lot of relationships. Yes. Yeah. Um, some of the adults, uh, the leaders at the time, we already talked a little bit about, we already talked a little bit about Ted Stanley. Um, is there one person or uh, several people, I'm, I'm open to you talking about several people, but is there some people that stood out to you that you'd love to share a little bit about interacting with them? Yeah. Um, golly. Um, Betty Molnack, she was there when I was younger. Uh, I, I don't remember when she left, but I just remember she was uh, like a, a grandmother to everybody. But she was, she was, I believe she was a house parent uh, for the girls' cottage uh, 
and I just remember her being so sweet. Um, her son actually uh, ran a computer class there for single moms for a little bit, David uh, Molnax. Um, and then there's uh, Linda Shelkowski, which later on was Linda Nelson. Um, grew up with her when my parents would go out of town. A lot of times her and her husband, Frank, would, would babysit me because uh, they lived just right down the road. Um, uh, Cecil uh, and Joanna, I remember uh, them in the office. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, oh goodness, Emily York, I believe it was. Uh, remember her in the office, but I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of turnover that I remember. So these people I knew for years, Randy Odom, uh, he's still there. Um, yeah, there's just so many people that I think back, um, Donna Young, who's now over first look, first time I met her, she was working at the home. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, relationships that I still see them now and still go up and give them a hug when I see them. So, yeah. I was doing something, uh, the other day, I'm, I'm writing a book. I think I'd mentioned that to you, but writing a book and pulled out all of your dad's reports mm -hmm. and I've been finding some information and there's not a whole lot that your, your dad um, puts a writing that I can find. Uh, so I have reports, I have some articles and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll, I'm gathering all those things, but I was reading something the other day and it struck me how much I could have written that. He was describing the nature of kids and caring for them and the call to people to help and step up and, and be a part of that. And just the way that your dad expressed himself, uh, it, it felt like I could have just almost copied his words and they would have sounded exactly like mm -hmm. And it was just really neat that moment of this man got a perspective that I feel like I shared. And I never met your dad, but that that simple reading through all his reports and hearing his own words sounding like they were me uh, was a very neat moment for yeah. me. And I admire the way he wrote things and, and expressed the need. Uh, so I was really impressed with yeah. that. So I, I'd love to hear a little bit about your dad, um, a little bit more personal story, if you don't mind, um, during the years he was here, obviously. Yeah. Um he was very passionate uh, about the home. Uh, it was it was definitely more of a ministry than than work for him. Um, probably because I mean I was friends with all the kids, and so of course I would go home and be like, "So and so said this, and this is what's going on," you know. And he cared. He he cared about them and. Um, probably because he knew a lot of what their history was and, uh, but he wanted them to feel safe and loved. Um, and so I, I, I do remember that he would, uh, one of the things I do remember is, is getting calls late at night that one of the kids had run away and he would get me and let me go with him. And because a lot of times I was friends with him 
And he thought, you know, and so we'd get a Coke or something and ride around and look for them. And then we would find them and just, he would just ride around with them and let them talk, let them vent. Um, so they would feel heard. Uh, and then he would try to go, you know, and, and, and make some changes. He didn't necessarily take uh, their side on everything, but he was open. He, he was open to hearing what it was uh, and, and addressing it, but, um, and he was generous. Um, I can remember guys coming to, uh, the home looking for work. Uh, and as you know, I mean, you're trying to raise money to run the home and he would find jobs, uh, for them to do around campus and, and try to pay them a little bit, um, just to help out. Uh, so his heart, he was, he was a very generous, um, caring, loving, but he was always, we joke around very passionate. I mean, um, if he didn't like something or didn't get done, you knew about it. Uh, he was, he could be a little hard sometimes, uh, but knowing what I know, even in ministry now and stuff, if you're serving in an area that you're passionate about, it shows. And, and, and sometimes I think people don't know how to take that, but it's because it means something. Um, but yeah, he was, that, that's one thing. Uh, I remember growing up and, and, seeing how, you know, he dealt with things and seeing how he dealt with the, the adults. You know, there was times that there would, you know, you would have issues and stuff. And, and um, but he always had integrity that I saw uh, trying to do what was right ahead of what uh, maybe he wanted or, or something else. So, I mean, he definitely taught me a, a lot about that. And, uh, and that's probably where I get my, somewhat of my compassion. Uh, I always say the home was what prepared me to work with kids. Because uh, no matter if they live with their parents or not, we all have baggage, it doesn't matter. Um, and so that was, that was something I definitely took right. uh, from that. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of things I could say uh, about my dad, but that's one thing he loved, he loved the home. And he put that into practice, that's for sure. You know, um, yes. I know you basically answered this, but what what kind of man were you that? Well, he was hardworking. That's one thing. He he uh he worked all the time. I can remember growing up, you know, we didn't we didn't have a lot of money. Um, and so a lot of times our our vacations were when he'd go to a conference and he would he would tag team that, you know, that was you know, but I mean, I remember and he would come home and uh, a lot of times at night and look at papers and work some more, you know, uh, but he, he always made time for, for us kids. Like if he'd been gone on a trip, one of the things I remember the most is, is being at school and being there probably 30 minutes and getting a call over the intercom telling me, uh, that I was checking out for the day. And so it would usually come on a time that he had been traveling to churches, trying to gain support, uh, and he hadn't been there. And so when he got back, 
And so a lot of times I, you know, when I heard he was going on a trip, I'd be super excited because I knew at some point that man, I was getting a day out of school uh, to go fishing or something. He would, you know, and so he tried to balance everything uh, well, but that's, uh, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, he was just, he was a good guy. He was just genuine, loving, um, and loyal. I mean, fiercely loyal. Yeah. Loved his family. Hi, I'm Laurie Henthorne, Donor Engagement Manager at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. Did you know that there are over 6,000 children waiting for adoption in Texas today? And did you know that there are only about 1,000 willing foster adoptive homes licensed and available to them? These children are coming from hard places and are needing a place to heal. We at TBHC strive to provide homes where they'll feel safe and loved and where they can begin their healing process. What if you could play a part in changing these statistics? TBHC depends on people like you to help change the course of these children's lives. You could open your heart and home to them, or you could come alongside them and help provide for the parents' training or for specialized therapy for a child through your financial support. We invite you to visit our website, tbhc.org, to find out more about us, hear inspiring stories and ways to pray for TBHC families, and to find out how you can be a part of bringing kids home. Tell me about uh, going fishing. Uh, well, he knew me well, so part of the fun was skipping school. Yeah. So I did not enjoy school. So uh, he would usually wait and, and get me and my brother out of school early. And uh, I'll be honest, I have no idea where we went. I just remember we would go, we'd go get snacks, um, a drink and something from the gas station, and then just go uh, probably to Lake Waxahachie and, and just fish uh, for the day. And I also remember um, this was a treat for us. He would take us swimming at night at the home. Um, and of course, my dad did not swim, neither did my mom, but they knew we loved it. And so that was the highlight of our summer a lot of times is, is at night, even though uh, they were both probably exhausted, they would, you know, say, hey, y'all want to go swimming at night? And we're like, yes, let's go. Um, so that was always cool growing up, kind of having that pool uh, very handy for, for us. But, but those are some things I remember, yeah. You've alluded to this as well, but um, some of the greatest lessons that you learned from your dad. Everybody has a story. And I remember him saying, you know, especially with some kids, they would be rough around the edges. And he would, he would always say, there's, he wouldn't tell me, but he'd say, there's a story. If you knew the story, you would probably understand. And uh, that stuck with me, even within children's ministry, you know, uh, kids acting out or something doesn't always mean that, but, but it does. I mean, it doesn't mean it's a bad story, but it means they're dealing with something or something's, you know, happening. And, and so instead of getting frustrated necessarily at, at their uh, responses to things, is you know, sometimes to stop and think, there could be something there that's causing it. Instead of reacting to them, you know, try to get on their level and see what's going on instead of trying to go in to punish. It was, it was, uh, it was more that it was to be compassionate and understand that there's, there's other things going on. Um, 
Yeah, and I can I can even remember uh, my dad took me on a trip with a kid who wanted his his mom had dropped them off on a highway in Dallas and just left them. And uh, but he knew that kid needed to to talk to his mom. And I remember we drove him and his brother to Oklahoma uh, just to speak to her. And I just remember thinking, wow, how much he cared for that kid to take the time because he, he was a busy guy. And so, I don't know, that's, I, that's the thing he probably taught me most, to love people, compassion, to walk in their shoes. Well, is there anything um, you would like people to know about caring for kids? Uh, if there was one thing you wish everyone knew about caring for the kids that we uniquely care for, what would that be? I don't know. That I can remember sometimes I think kids uh, get labeled. Uh, and a lot of times it's not their fault. Um, it's, it's the adults in their life. Uh, and so... That's the biggest thing. I can remember sometimes uh, kids getting raw end of a stick and then it wasn't their fault. And then they, they kind of pay the price. And so, you know, when they act out or uh, different things like that, I, I, I just remember thinking if I would have lived their life, because some of the kids, I did know their stories because we were friends and they would share stuff. And I can remember thinking, oh my goodness, how, I mean, it, it, even to this day, it still blows my mind what some kids have, have gone through uh, and at such a young age and to have to carry that with them. So for the kids, you know, that in foster care and stuff, just to love them unconditionally and show compassion uh, and that they're worth it uh, to me says a lot because there's a lot of us that if we went through the same thing, I don't know if we would come out as good as some of those kids. And um, so to, to go through that, that takes a lot. It takes um, so just to love them. Uh, and, and support them. That's yeah. great. Well, I really appreciate you taking time and sharing. Um, yeah, I feel like I got a little glimpse of your dad today and um, a, a similarity does exist that I'm, I'm proud of and uh, honored to be able to say I identify with what you described. So, um, anything else you'd like to share? Man, I could probably share stories all day long but no I mean I still think very fondly of the home and love the home and very thankful for for the time I grew up there and I definitely think it shaped who I am today and how I see people and 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 hopefully how I treat people even today. So uh, I'm very, I'm very thankful for the time I had there. Well, thank you. Sure.
Thank you for joining us. If you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through our email, podcast at tbhc.org. That's podcast at tbhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information, check out our website, tbhc.org, and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.